Last Tuesday, I had the wonderful experience of visiting Art Prize in Grand Rapids for the first time in my life. Our final stop of the day was Cathedral Square. And in one of the buildings, I don't even remember which building it was, it was not the cathedral, there was a marvelous bronze sculpture just inside the door, tall, and it folded in on itself like this. It was, um, it was magnificent. And posted beside the sculpture, which is a permanent installation, it was not part of Art Prize, was a poem by the sculptor's wife, Miriam Pedersen. And it goes like this. In the folds of each day, someone waits to enter your life, to appear in person or in a dream, and change you slightly, as if a pencil sketch were being drawn of you and a line extended or erased increases your vitality, your presence in life. Be ready for the entrance of a stranger or a friend who, after an exchange, lingers in the form of words, a look, a gesture, new filaments joining your own, becoming you. Oh, that wasn't planned. (laughs) An elevator speech. What is that? Well, you've just experienced an inspiring meeting. It was the Isaac Convocation. The acronym stands for Interfaith Strategies of Advocacy and Action in the Community. So many people signed up that it had to be held at the Radisson. They put us up in the top floor. And when it was over, we all pile into the elevator and... Someone notices a name tag and says, oh, People's Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation. What is Unitarian Universalism? Well, we started in Transylvania, you might say. (laughs) And they say, isn't that where Dracula came from? Well, what does it mean to be Unitarian Universalist? Well, What do you believe? Start with that. So you're still in the elevator, hoping that the first floor comes pretty soon. You feel guilty that you don't say anything about what you believe. Well, if you don't say something, you'll feel guilty. So what do you say, in a nutshell, about your beliefs as a Unitarian Universalist? And that's the elevator speech. At the end of today's service, you'll have a chance to share a concise way to express your beliefs in the time it takes the elevator to go from the sixth floor to the first floor. And actually not at the end of the service, but at the end where it says congregational response. And some of you might be thinking, well, now, if she shares her elevator story for the sermon, then we'll all have a chance to share ours. Well, Alas, I will be up here for a little bit longer than that. 
about enough time for you to come up with several good ideas for an elevator sermon. How do we describe what we believe, each in our own way, to people we don't even know? Two weeks ago, some of you heard about my path from evangelical Christianity to Unitarian Universalism, a journey that has helped me think about what do I really believe? So one of the first things I would say is that the wide embrace of Unitarian Universalism has helped me find common ground with those who believe differently. As I've tried to be open to the beliefs of others while also honoring my own, I've noticed that beliefs are usually more different than they are alike. In fact, some are so different that they fall into what I would call as uh, an unhealthy belief or a power-grabbing kind of situation where your belief takes you to the place of torture or killing. All beliefs are not equal. But I'm talking today about beliefs that help people live their values of kindness and caring cooperation, and community building. Theology. I call mine a triple-A theology and not emergency service or jump starts. Rather, I think of it as being about authenticity, accountability, and action. Authenticity. I believe it's important to know thyself and practice whatever discipline helps me become my best self. Accountability. My faith is grounded in responsibility ethics, believing that it is in our capacity as human beings to make responsible choices, whatever the outcome, and thus it is our responsibility to do so. We are accountable to each other and to the earth that gives us life. Action. I know this is a community of action. I want to plant my feet on the social gospel. As the Apostle James wrote 2,000 years ago, faith without works is dead. I identify as a mystical humanist, believing there are realities that are beyond the comprehension of the human mind. As powerful as it is, there are realities beyond our comprehension. Hence, there is room for mystery. My belief system includes reverence for the interdependence of all things, even the interdependence of diverse perspectives. I believe it is important to the foundation of our human potential that we don't all think alike, because we learn and grow through our encounters with difference. The Talmud reminds us not to limit our children to our ideas because they are born in a different time. This says something to me about legacy. I understand legacy as both giving and receiving, giving of our time, talent, and treasure as a gift of self that will benefit others and receiving the stories and views and actions of others in 
as an appreciation of their legacy. Our legacies don't have to be one big box left at the end of our days. No, legacies are built action upon action. Legacies are built by words and deeds over many days and decades. Some of you will remember us using these historic chairs on Homecoming Sunday because I had heard that they came from the first building of People's Church. And not only were these beautifully designed chairs a legacy in their own right, but they would also represent something of the heritage that has brought People's Church to where it is today. These chairs were here before we were, and they will still be here for the generations to come. Well, after that service, I learned that couple of things. One was that one of the chairs was a little unstable and needed some work. So our woodworker, Bob Friedel, took a look and gently took care of the repair in a professional way. Thank you, Bob. And then member Diane Warden found out that those chairs were a gift to People's Church from your first woman minister, Caroline Bartlett Crane after she returned from a trip to Europe, called Modified Sovenarola. They are a copy of a design from the 15th century. Diane saw this type of chair when she was in Italy some years ago. So it is possible that these are chairs that Crane gifted you were made in Italy. And, of course, legacy is more than just repairing chairs or doing nice things. I use these examples as a reminder that we are all dropping legacy seeds every day, seeds that others will harvest. It matters the choices we make each day. It matters what we believe. I took some time last week in your beautiful memorial garden. It reminded me how meaningful it can be to honor even those people you've never met. I read each plaque, recognizing some names and speaking aloud the names of the people I did not know. Pioneers who left their mark on this congregation. I believe it is very important to remember the shoulders we stand on. Someday I too may have a plaque that will be read by people who never knew me. While I know my life will end I don't really know what will happen to my spirit. That flowing energy that, in my view, somehow connects people together. I don't know, and I don't need to know. I do hope that my ashes will find their way to help a few daisies grow, but I can't even be sure that that happens I am sure, though, that in this room, 
There are many different views on the hereafter. That's okay by me. I am comfortable with some things remaining a mystery. I believe a liberal approach to religion is about finding your own path. I don't think anyone here would disagree with me. Whether we find that path through study of the sciences or the metaphors of art, as you describe, Sally, or the creative bursts of insight that come from communing with miracles of the natural world. You, you theologian James Luther Adams proclaimed that the genius of a liberal faith is its self-critical stance, which makes it not only open to self-reform, but demanding of it. Adams encouraged the constant re-examination of our beliefs if our faith is to keep its relevance, the constant re-examination of our beliefs. This is why we call Unitarian Universalism a living tradition. We're always searching for a more effective way to live what we believe, each with our own authentic voice. Adam's imperative to raise honest questions makes us accountable to the truths we discover. Just as we are responsible for supporting the children of the next generation in their own truth and justice seeking journey. For Adams, this accountability is an explicit commitment to a clear set of values rather than, in his words, a vague sort of liberalism that is simply opposed to prejudice. Such vague liberalism, he says, translates into watering down the prophetic voice, leaving no one feeling the need to make a critical stance. We severely limit the power of our message when we fail to model and teach our values boldly and with conviction. So what do we do with that phrase that Unitarian Universalists can believe whatever they want? Well, maybe yes, maybe not. Our principles and sources do ask an awfully lot of us. They do not define a belief system, but they do call for a commitment to make ethical choices in all of life's gray areas. It feels important to acknowledge that many adherents of other religious traditions also value a strong ethical approach. And many are seekers of a fuller truth, just as we try to be. I think we're missing the mark when we sometimes make jokes about people, what is it, dropping their head at the door or, no, it's not that. What it, how, does it, how do we say it, Daryl? Leaving, Leaving their brain at the door. Sometimes I leave my brain all over the place. <laughs> I'm more comfortable thinking that their pursuit of truth has led them to a different place. I may disagree with certain choices, but I would be setting myself up for a hard fall if I dared to think that my way was the best way. It might be right sometimes, but I've come to believe that there are usually more than one right way 
for just about anything. I appreciate that Unitarian Universalists try to remember that we all have a piece of the truth, but only a piece of it. In addition to being accountable to our values, we are also accountable to our own life experience and to that which we ultimately value, be it God, the Tao, the creative urge, our children, or any number of other purposes that call us to something larger than ourselves and give our lives meaning. On the continuum of theism to atheism, I'm in the gray area, therefore wearing gray today, an agnostic. I cannot say there is no God, and I cannot say there is. And I would like to have the light back up again, please. This is a good time to be planning the elevator speech. (laughs) Next time I can have a little flashlight up here for these emergencies. Aha, aha. (laughs) If I had to find words for the energy that holds me as I move through my world, I could call it by many names, including Great Spirit, because that taps into my sense of connection with First Nations and earth-centered religious practices that predate the Judeo-Christian heritage that was mine. The important thing for me is to live as though there is some kind of spirit energy in the afterlife, And at the same time, as though the here and now is all I have. As with all of us, my beliefs and values have grown and changed over the years. Again, the Talmud reminds us not to limit our children to our ideas because they are born in a different time. I've not been limited by the ideas I grew up with any more than the children of the next generation will have to accept the belief systems of today. No, they'll have their own options to think through. Recently I spoke here about my Christian roots in the past tense, and still many aspects of my childhood religion do serve me well today. One is devotion. I believe in giving myself fully to what I think matters. And of course, devotion can also inspire one to take up arms in a religiously motivated war or a money-motivated war. It can cause friends to hurt each other. So I recognize that even the beliefs that help me deal with life can also be taken to an unhealthy extreme. Whether we have come from a conservative past, a liberal household, a background with the absence of religion, or from any of the many spiritual traditions that have strong roots, eventually we make our own choices. And thank goodness for that. 
My hope would be that whatever the path, it is sustained by a deep soul recognition that those people who espouse different beliefs or different understanding of morality are not our enemies. For the most part, those people are not a whole lot different than us people. I know because I've walked with them as many of you have, if not all of us have. We are a testimony to the fact that people can change, just as society can change. And we must remember this. I want to give of myself as though there are no hopeless causes. I want to believe that there are no hopeless people. People can change just as society can change. And now I might not be as hopeful today as I used to be about society changing. But I must hang on to hope. And as the very wise writer Barbara Kingsolver says, I have to pay attention to my own community since that is the only place where I can muster a posse to take on our own local disasters of the day. In our living tradition, healthy change is celebrated just as much as the probing questions that often inspire it. I believe that prophetic voice demands it and spiritual well-being grows out of it. The Talmudic imperative asks us to think beyond our comfort zone. It calls forth a vivid future orientation, but with feet firmly planted in the here and now. I call that a theology of action. You you humanist theologian William R. Jones reduces the action imperative to a single basic principle. Every religious system either guards the status quo or challenges it. What are we doing in that area? What are we challenging? What do we want to sustain? Liberal voices have no time to lose in reclaiming our prophetic voice. Our cousins to the right have recognized the power of speaking their convictions with focus. Can we learn to do that a little better? Can we focus enough on two or three fundamental issues at a time to get a critical mass of support that will bring those issues to the public consciousness so we can win back a sustainable environment or whatever the choice of focus That's the rub for people of a liberal faith. We celebrate many different positions and support a cornucopia of causes. In so doing, do we sometimes spread ourselves too thin? The Auburn Institute has pointed out many times that the liberal voices are particularly lost in the conversation, practically lost in the conversation, because they are too dispersed, trying to cover all issues with equal attention. 
with a list of at least 30 priorities. Everybody's top 30 list is a little different, and generally nobody gives up anything. Now, that's a generalization. I don't know if that's the case here. I am not making that assumption, but just raising the question. I believe we probably can find much common ground with our cousins in more conservative faith traditions. But we need to learn to see them differently so we can hear each other better and begin to work for the common good. And again, this is precisely what Isaac does. Good things can grow out of sincere dialogue across lines of race, ethnicity, age, and beliefs. Such dialogue can help us remember that we're part of the interdependent web. We're not the whole web. And even though Unitarian Universalists do not have exclusive rights to the truth, we do have much to offer those who find a spiritual home with us, no doubt. I hope we are a haven for individuals and families who are looking for a sanctuary from the craziness of life or healing from the brokenness it inflicts. I hope we are a place of learning that welcomes all questions. I hope we are an environment that fosters personal and spiritual growth and a community who never forgets that change can bring great gifts. As a progressive faith community, I believe we have more power than we think, more influence than we think. May we step into this power with boldness and clarity of purpose. May we show our love for each other through the long and winding path it takes to make this vision real. I close with remarks from the atheist George Bernard Shaw. This is the true joy in life, being used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little cloud of ailments and grievements, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It is a sort of splendid torch which I hold for the moment. I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. And now we get to sing together.